Welcome to Mother Luck, an all-things momhood podcast with your host, Romy and Alex. As new moms ourselves, we are starting to understand the ups and downs of new motherhood. From sleepless nights to joyful milestones, we'll discuss all the things related to raising babies and how we're handling it. Join us as we share tips, tricks, vent sessions, and stories that will make you laugh, cry, and everything in between, because we're all surviving in this together. Hey, Mother Luck Mamas, this is Romy. And Alex, and today we have a very special guest and somebody who arguably will probably change our lives. Um, <laughs> we have Kayleen with two E's Kelly. She is a professional organizer and has been so for, I think, the past nine years. Um, she's a creator of the Core for Decluttering Method and has educated and inspired families um, worldwide. 1.3 million families, I should add, because that's a ton. And we have her on the podcast kind of just Give us all things um, decluttering and organizing our lives, which, as we know, moms are overwhelmed and overworked, and we need all the tips we can get. Before we get started, I want to pass it to Kayleen to just tell us a little bit about yourself, your hobbies, um, your family, anything that we need to know. Yeah, for sure. First, thank you so much for having me. I love talking about everything we're going to be talking about. So, um, yeah, I've been a professional organizer for nine years. I lived in Jacksonville, Florida for 15 years, but I just recently in May moved to Denver, Colorado. So that's where cool. I And I have my family back home in Jacksonville. So it's my mom, my sister, my brother-in-law, and my niece and nephew. So I, I was the pseudo mom, but I feel a little torn away, but I go back and I visit all the time. So that's Good. great. And, uh, Back home, I was an avid shark tooth hunter. My partner and I traveled all over the state hunting for megalodon and shark teeth, so anything outdoorsy. We moved here in May because that's where he's from, and now we just try to get to the mountains as often as possible. So camping, hiking, we go fly fishing like once a week, and so just very outdoorsy, and I love it so much, and I'm getting used to living. We're right in the city. I've always lived, like, in a country town or the suburbs, so living in the city, it's quite the adjustment, but I love it so much, so. In Colorado, seems like the perfect fit for you guys then. Um, yes. Literally, when, when you think outdoorsy state, first one, Colorado, so. Yeah. Yeah. So you will have to experience your first winter in Colorado. Yeah, I know. They say that it's not going to be a good one. The weather has been all over the place and it's just getting worse. That's what everyone has told me. Um, so yay, looking forward to that. But <laughs> I bought I bought like six pairs of snowshoes. I got a little too excited. I'm going to have to do some decluttering on my part. Um, but I got excited, you know. You don't get snow in Florida. Yeah. You do not, because we're in Georgia, and we're like, we get one inch, and we lose it. <laughs> well, I, um, I'm from Georgia, too, but I most recently moved from Chicago, and I live there literally in the thick of winter, so I get that. A little bit of baptism by Hellfire, but you'll be okay next year when it's a little bit better, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. That's so cool. So, let's talk decluttering. So, how did you find the world of decluttering? What got you into it? So I started in 2014. I was in my, like, I was 28 at the time, and I had worked in so many different industries, and I never found anything that I really enjoyed. I just knew that I was very good at customer service and working with clients, and I hit a point I was so frustrated with 
the lack of growth. And I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do anything with my life, I need to start a business. So my sister asked me, what would you do? Like, what's your dream job? And I remember sitting at her kitchen table and I said, if I could just go into people's homes, declutter, simplify, make them beautiful, then that would be awesome. But that's not a job. Let's get real. And then I looked into it and it turns out that it, it is definitely a job and a booming industry. The industry started taking off in the early 2000s mm-hmm. and I got in, you know, 2014. I didn't have a lot of competition in my local market. So within 10 months of starting the business, I was able to quit my job, take the business wow. time. And it's just been nonstop ever since. And then I joined I got really active on social media um, back during the pandemic. So just like yeah. everybody else, joined yes. TikTok, all of that. And yeah, in those three years, I've you know built quite a large educational platform because doing the hands-on work, it wasn't enough. Like I wanted to teach people how to do this for themselves because not everyone is financially privileged enough to have a hands-on service. Mm-hmm. So educating and empowering, it's, it's something that I really wanted to do because it is possible to learn, you know, decluttering, organizing. It is a learned skill set. It's mm-hmm. not just a natural talent. It's something you can learn. So yeah, that, that's where we're at. I love that. So I told my husband we were having you on. He's like, that's going to be a great episode for you because I... I'm clean, but I do have mess here and there. And it's just because I have a lot going on in my life. So, you know, little piles warm here and there. So um, he told me, it was like, well, does she work in Augusta? I said, no, but (laughs) maybe one day. (laughs) My struggle with clutter is that when I see it, it clutters my brain, but I don't ever, until the weekend comes, it's that's when we deep clean and everything gets put up. We reset for the week. Then during the week when it gets messy, I'm like, I'll just pick up this one or two towels. Like, so it's just like little pickups that I do throughout the day, but it makes a difference. I just wish I had time to do more of that or just maintain it a little better. It's not dirty, but it's just stuff and toys that are spreading further and further into like the bathroom and the laundry. And I've washed some toys. (laughs) Yeah. That's actually a good segue into our next question, because we know that life is overwhelming. You add kids into the mix kids clutter. We know that you have declutter kits, but can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and like tips and tricks that we could implement in our lives to make our lives less overwhelming? Yeah. So I created my declutter kits. They're DIY step-by-step guides. And we've got a starter kit, full home kit, complete kit. So it depends on what level of help you need. And it guides you through every area of your home. So when you start decluttering and organizing, you want to start small and you start in one area. It's really all about keeping that focus and keeping that momentum going. So the kits are a full step-by-step guide of teaching you how to work through your home. When it comes to starting the process of decluttering and organizing, my biggest tips would be first to mentally prepare yourself. So this process requires a lot of focus and energy and change and decision-making. And so I want you to be in a good frame of mind when, when you start. So when we are overwhelmed by clutter, our brain goes in one of two directions. It's either keep it all 
or burn it all. And mm -hmm. we find like that sweet spot in the middle where we are managing our stress and we're making good decisions. Because if you go in, you're stressed, you're overwhelmed, you're over it, and you see a, a pile of clutter and you're like, I'm just going to tear through and get, I just want to get rid of everything. Odds are you're going to make some decisions that you regret. And mm -hmm. that leads to your brain thinking and believing that decluttering is a negative experience. So you're not going to be motivated to do it again. Mm -hmm. So really making sure that you're in a good frame of mind when you go to do this is super, super important. And then second, I would say is really managing your expectations. So if you're in a cluttered home, odds are it didn't happen in a day. So you're not going to be able to resolve everything in a day. So I always say baby steps lead to big results. So even if it's 15 minutes of taking one step in the core four method, or, you know, you have a little, little time here and there, as long as you're following a method and you're taking logical steps that are going to move you forward, it doesn't matter if it's five minutes, 15 minutes, we just have to manage our expectations of what we can accomplish. And there's already so much pressure on us to have these picture perfect homes. You look on social media, you look up decluttering, organizing, and you see these perfectly staged areas and you yes. go, well, my home doesn't look like that. And you start to beat yourself up. You're then again, putting yourself in a negative frame of mind and you're working against yourself. So if you're able to go in and be like, cool, I got this amount done. Just like you were saying, you don't have a lot of time during the week, but mm -hmm. you do what you can mm -hmm. actually recognizing that and giving yourself a pat on the back. Like, okay, good. I did. I good. Do. This is the best <laughs> that I could do, you know, yeah. and just realizing that this process is not about perfection. It's mm -hmm. just about progress. And we're never going to achieve these perfectly staged homes especially with kids <laughs> and and that's okay like our homes are gonna get messy that's totally fine that's realistic what we want is to be able to clean up and tidy and reset our space in a reasonable amount of time we just need to gain control uh -huh. and then for sure like my best tip and trick for decluttering is what I call my declutter three second rule. I don't know if you guys are familiar. I talk about it a lot on social media. And so what I realized when I first started organizing was that when it came to the decluttering and the decision-making, my clients would just freeze up, just mm -hmm. overthink everything, totally freeze up, we weren't seeing progress. I charge by the hour. So I'm like, hey, we got to go. <laughs> and so I started saying, like, hey, just try to make a decision in three seconds. And if you can't, let's keep it and keep going forward. Mm -hmm. And it worked really well. So it eliminated that analysis paralysis because they were, if they couldn't, I say, you know, try to make a gut decision. In three seconds, it's either yes, you keep it or no, it goes. If you hesitate for more than three seconds, it's an automatic keep and we keep moving forward. So it gives a time frame. You kind of turn it into a game. But if you're unable to make a decision, make a choice, there's no penalty for that. A lot of people think, oh, if you can't make a decision, then it's an automatic go. Again, that's where we regret decisions and all mm -hmm. of that. 
Um, it's definitely a tool that I've used that has been super successful with my clients, with people online that I'm teaching, and it reduces the decision fatigue because you're seeing progress like quickly and you go, oh, wow, that was way easier than I thought it would be. And so it's a, really organizing and decluttering. It's all a head game. Like, yeah. it, it, yeah. really, it really is. Yeah, you said a couple things. You said progress, not perfection. I think that's super important, especially like in the world of Instagram, Pinterest, where everything's beautiful. And especially with babies, nothing is ever going to be perfect, ever. So it's reframing that mindset. And then I know for me in the past, like when I would go through my clothes, I would have to try things on. Yes. Be three seconds. But if I do the three second rule, the things that I like, then I can try them on to make sure, you know, they fit. Exactly. I love that. Yeah, but you're able to quickly eliminate what you know, like, oh, this is out of style, or I remember this never fit right, hate this, moving on. You can eliminate that really quickly. Yeah. And exactly, your keep pile, if you've got a few that you don't know, that's when you try them on. But it's not holding you up in the process. So yeah, you nailed it there. Absolutely. Yes. And that sometimes I feel like I also need the support. Like I can't just do it by myself. Like I need a friend to come over. I need my mom here. Like I need somebody to, to be here to rush me because I will, or I'll start a little drawer and I'm like, eh, we're done for the day. But really I could have done the whole dresser, you know? So yeah. I feel like that's where I get stuck sometimes too. So analysis paralysis is so real when I'm by myself. So having someone like you would be phenomenal. Yeah, body doubling, like some of us, especially those of us with ADHD, is huge. It helps you stay Mm -hmm. on track and stay focused and motivated. So utilizing any kinds kinds of tools that, you know, if you know that you need someone there, get someone there. If you can, you know, or turn on a YouTube video, turn on my TikTok, listen Mm -hmm. to as you go, whatever is going to turn on music, whatever is going to motivate your brain and keep you focused, that's what you want to do. I will say for anyone that's a kind of a squirrel like me, something that's helped is all, I will set a timer for 15 minutes. Whatever I got done in those 15 minutes is what I got done in those 15 minutes. After that, I've told myself I'm done. So it might not be a lot or it might be a a tremendous amount of stuff, but I've given myself a limit. And most of the time I go a little over anyway. So it kind of works out to where I do more. But I have also found like little trips that just happen to work for me um, because just my mind is just goes a hundred million directions all the time. So I I need guidance. 15 minute timer. That is beautiful. And I have that all throughout my kit. Like, you know, just set a timer, see what you can accomplish. So we're just managing that stress, managing our focus the best that we can. That's going to look different for everyone. You know, some people may be like, oh, well, I can do an hour. Okay, set an hour timer. Like, mm-hmm. do it. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen like those they're, like cubes on Amazon that have like timer. So you just kind of set it. So that's what I used to do. Like, I'd be like, okay, today I feel like five minutes. So I put on the five minute square and do what I can. Uh, I need to take it out of my, some pile or box somewhere <laughs> to, and reuse it. But I like Romy. I need support, but I also am very bad about like getting distracted by things. I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen this in forever. Let me just go through my yearbook from when I was 12 years old, how many ever years ago. And then, you know, there goes my hour, but you know, we're working on it. We're working yes. on it. Second rule is going to be great. <laughs> yes. So what are some methods that you follow? Um, 
And do they differ between like toddlers, like a family with toddlers or a family with teenagers or just an adult? So what, tell us about your methods, if you don't mind. So the method I created and that I use in all of my projects and that I teach online, I call it the core four method. So four simple, simple steps. So clear out, categorize, cut out, contain. And Alex, you were saying, you know, it's hard to stay focused. A lot of the time, what we do is we're inspired, we're motivated to get organized, but we don't have a method. We don't have a game plan. And that is crucial because if you don't have any kind of directions or steps to take, that's when you go into a room and you just start throwing things around and making decisions. And, you know, it's there's no order to it. There's no methodical approach. And so, yeah, you are easily distracted. But when you go in with a game plan and you know, okay, I'm focusing on one area at a time. So I'm going to focus on my bedroom closet. Well, the first step is clear out. That's where you remove anything that doesn't belong in the closet. So we always have to address one space at a time and focus on what actually belongs in there. So, I mean, I have found like a cutting board and toys and, you know, I found a, like a, like a car engine in a in a bedroom closet one time so that kind of stuff you know you want to remove it doesn't yeah. <laughs> um so first step clear up you remove anything that doesn't belong if that's all you can do perfect that is great if that takes you 15 minutes awesome you've done step one step two is then categorizing I want you to be able to see everything you have so you can make quick and confident decisions. It's going to be so much easier for you to decide when you can see, oh, I have 17 black plain t-shirts. You know, you want to be able to see what you have. So then you go into step three, cut out using that three second rule. The trick is to be able to see everything you have. Mm -hmm. um, so you do the cut out with the three second rule. And then once you've eliminated everything that no longer you no longer want, you, do, you don't need, then you take a look and you go into step four contain, figuring out what you have left versus your available storage and creating a functional system as simple as you can make it. And so you have to, it's, it's a lot easier to keep your focus when you know, okay, step one, this is all I'm doing. I'm going to hyper-focus on this. Cool. Step one, step two, this is all I'm doing. It, it requires a lot of self-monitoring, but you're ahead of the game if you have a game plan going in. And when it comes to, I just did a video on this. So I, earlier this week, I organized for an 11 year old girl and I started out my video saying, people always ask, how do you organize for kids? I don't treat them any differently than I do my adults. And in three days, that video is at 60,000 likes with a bunch of people being like, I wish I had this when I was a kid. And, you know, yeah. it's all a learned skill set. I'm teaching my adults and I'm teaching the kids. We follow the same method. We make sure that the system is customized for them. It's all about just learning how to do it. So I, I've worked with three-year-olds. I've worked with teenagers, everyone. And it's always the same method. And I always go in. It's a level of respect. Like, I don't care how old you are. It's still your mm -hmm. 
piece and it mm-hmm. still needs to custom be customized for what you need. So with her, she killed it on the decluttering. She was so decisive and I empowered her because I'm like, Hey, you know, right when I got there, you could tell she was a little nervous. And I sat down on the floor, crisscross applesauce. And I was like, Hey, tell me, what do you like to do? What's your fit? You know, what do you want your room to look like? And it gives them this sense of empowerment and autonomy. And they're more engaged and like, Oh, well, I really like my fidgets and I'm really into art. Cool. We're going to highlight those things and we're going to make a special space for you, you know, and that I do the same thing with adults. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just probably use different words and my eyebrows are a bit higher when I talk to kids. (laughs) But it is, it's the same exact way. I love that. It's like instilling good habits when they're young. So they're not like me almost 30, like learning about the core four method. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like we have to teach ourselves first because not everyone was taught as a kid. A lot of people weren't taught. Um, So we have to teach ourselves and then we pass that knowledge on to our kids. And usually what happens is, you know, I get the comments of, you know, my teenager just doesn't want to do it. My seven-year-old hates decluttering, hates organizing. And I say, well, what's your opinion on it? Do you hate it? Do you, you know, not understand how to use it? Well, you know, your job is to teach them. And if you don't know, then how, how are they going to know? So let's start at the top and let it trickle down. And it's totally okay to not know. It's a learning curve. So once you become experienced and you practice it, then it's so much easier to implement that in your kid. I feel so motivated right now. Like I am ready to like hang up and like go into my child's room and like start working. <laughs> That's what I want. Like, <laughs> I feel so empowered right now. <laughs> Good. Hey, fellow mother like mamas and dads who are brave enough to listen in. Just wanted to pop in and remind you that if you're enjoying our content, make sure you hit the follow button on our podcast about all things momhood. Honestly, it's like being part of an exclusive club, but without the secret handshakes. And while you're at it, make sure to rate and review our podcast to help others find us and grow our community. So in that same vein, like children specifically, because obviously that's kind of like who our market is, who, what we're, what lifestyle we're in right now. Um, we struggle a lot with like toy clutter and I don't know how many times a day I clean up toy clutter, but it's a lot. Um, time that I could be spending on my other pile, you know, uh, what strategies do you recommend specifically for like keeping toys and baby kid things organized? So when it comes to managing toys, the kids aren't the ones bringing them in. We're the ones bringing them in or our family, right? I would say for family. birthday parties, grandparents, but I don't know that I've bought that many toys. Yeah. So the, we're inundated, you know, yeah. the, our purchases or somebody else's purchase. And so it's really about managing the flow, what's coming in and what's going out. And that's decluttering. And especially when they are younger, because what they're playing with or interacting with three months ago is going to be very different from now. And so that turnover rate is much higher when they're younger because their development. Mm -hmm. So getting ahead of it and decluttering regularly 
the less you have, the less you have to manage. And is that more effort than, you know, when they're seven to nine and they're still kind of playing, you know, for two years with the same stuff? Yeah. But it takes a little bit more effort, but it's part of the game. So decluttering Mm -hmm. regularly. And it's also about creating boundaries. So when working in a house for one-year-olds, it's a little different because there's not that independent play. Um, But creating designated play spaces. So be it a playroom, living room, toys, and the bedroom. Designating and setting boundaries on where toys belong. So there's more direction there. Just Mm -hmm. how... We eat food in the kitchen. We take a bath in the bathroom. These are where, this is where we play. And again, a little different, you know, because you have them with you. They're going to have toys with them, Mm -hmm. but you'll get past that. (laughs) And then you implement this, you know, moving forward. So it's a lot easier. Um, So setting those boundaries. So creating really simple systems. So I actually wrote a kid's decluttering book. It's called Kiki the Magical Makeover Fairy. And it's on Mm -hmm. Amazon. Mm -hmm. And it goes through the core categories that we use in play spaces. And so instead of having trucks and cars and airplanes and buses we've got one category of wheels and wings and so wheels and wings i love that thought you were gonna say transportation so that's so cute (laughs) so we keep it simple then we have people and pets so that's going to be your action figures and your dinosaurs and your your animals and all of that so instead of having 15 to 20 categories your brain only has to identify five, right? So that makes it so much easier. Kids are designed to be messy and play. That's how they learn. That's how they explore. So we're not trying to remove the messiness from a play space. We just want to control it and make sure that when the time comes to clean it up, it's as easy as possible. So if your kid's into Barbies, you know, instead of creating a system where you have to break it down by Barbie shoes and skirts and tops and hair accessories, you just put all the Barbie accessories into one bin and that's how you quickly clean it up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they play, they make a mess, but it's easy for your brain to latch on. So you can do like a five minute reset. That's what we want. So make it as easy as possible. A lot of the times when we think of organized, our brains get really, really detailed. And that's actually when you start losing that sense of organization. And it's really difficult to maintain. I'm all about low energy, low maintenance systems. So we just want it as easy as possible to get out and put back in. This was so great. And especially leading up to the holidays soon, I'm already getting a little bit of anxiety thinking like, OMG, we're about to get an influx of toys, an influx of clothes, an influx of all the things. And I'm already thinking, who am I going to call to come over to help me get rid of the, the clothes that doesn't fit or the clothes that we didn't like anyway, the toys that we didn't use, etc.? to come over and help me just start working towards it before I have to make a Christmas list and everything comes in because that'll be here in a couple of weeks. So this is super helpful for me. The <laughs> holidays 
all of my parents panic, you know, they're like, oh, I'm already drowning in stuff and I just know it's coming and holidays are stressful anyways. Um, so yeah, trying to get ahead of it and declutter, do a strong purge around those times, around birthdays, all of that, just to try to get ahead of it. You know, decluttering, organizing, I think a lot of the times we look at it as a one and done and that's mm-hmm. just not this is a cyclical routine, just like doing the dishes and feeding ourselves. We have to constantly do it and figure out a time to do it. And that's what, you know, we just have to create those routines. So, you know, okay, holidays are coming up a month before. Let's try to do this, spend a day and declutter as much as we can. Birthday's coming up. Let's do it again. I mean, I know for me, like, I, I do her clothes pretty often, but I also do hold on to a couple things because. It's our first baby, sentimental value. So this is a good reminder that, you know, it's okay. You know, we can, we can donate it to another baby to enjoy. Um, we had our use with it and it's time to free up space for new memories. Right. But it's also totally okay to hold on to things that like tug on your heartstring. Yeah. You know, I always give, you know, every person in the home has a sentimental bin or for kids, a treasure box. And wow. so anything that's significant to you, that baby blankets, first outfits, or, you know, oh, you know, she wore this on her second birthday. Like, that's totally fine. We just want to make sure that there's small curated collections that are actually meaningful mm-hmm. instead of feeling like, oh, I have to hold on to all of it or else I'm losing my baby. Right. Wow. Like, yeah. You know, I totally, I get that. Um, so having those small little curated collections, it's totally fine. It's special. Yeah, for sure. I have two. I'm going to try to limit it to one. We <laughs> have two already. Yeah. <laughs> hey, okay. if you have the storage space for it and that's what you want to keep right now, you do it. You know, there's no right or wrong. How much you should own really just depends on how much storage you have. And if there's stuff you want to hold on to and you've got the closet space for it, hold on to it. And then readdress it in a year. Because most likely what was special to you now will probably change a little bit in a year. For sure. Just readdressing. I love that. So I have a fun question, Kayleen. Who are your favorite people to work with? Like, is, is it the younger kids and the, the teenagers or is it the adults, the older adults? Who's your favorite? Kids. And why? Kids. kids. Hands down. They don't overcomplicate the mm. process. And they have had less time for social conditioning and mm. that, like, emotional attachment and trauma all of the things that can lead to clutter, they've had less experience with that. Um, and they, they're really, really good at this. And a lot of the times we just, I just hear a lot like, Oh, my kid, my kid, you know, doesn't do this or isn't good at this. And they're actually really, they thrive in structured environments. They just need that implemented and taught to them. And they're just, they don't hesitate. They know what they want. They're very, you know, kids don't lie <laughs> and they yeah. don't question themselves. It's yes, I want it. No, I don't want it. It's just a matter of creating a safe environment for them where they feel like they are in control. Um, and they're, 
everyone's always nervous. Like when I go in, it's like, oh, this stranger is going to make me get rid of all my stuff. And it's just really cool to go in and, you know, the kid's nervous. And then by the end, they're just telling you all their secrets. <laughs> they're just, you know, sharing. And then to, cause I'm typically working with people over a long period of time. Clutter okay. is mold. It, mm -hmm. you know, it spreads throughout the house. Mm -hmm. So we're typically working with families for months and I'll do the kids room and then come back a month later to address the kitchen or something. And to have them run up to me, Miss Kayleen, let me show you my room. Like I'm keeping it so good. And you know, you're teaching them and they get so excited and I'm super animated. I am like a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. So to have that energy back, like, come on, it is yes. so satisfying. So yeah, kids for sure. Love it, that. It's probably not what you would expect. You would think it would be more challenging, but you simplify it and you bring the right energy and they're on board. 100% of the time they're on board. Okay, so I actually came up with an impromptu, easy question. If you could challenge our listeners to tackle one space in their home, what would it, what would you say? Like, what is a space everybody should tackle first? So usually, if if you're struggling with clutter like throughout the home, I always start in the main bedroom. I think it's really important, especially when you're starting this process, to be able to go to sleep and wake up in a clean organized space really helps calm us down you get more restful sleep so we always usually start in the main bedroom also because clothing seems to be an issue for everyone you know fast fashion we buy we're in a consumer society and it takes up a lot of space physically it takes up a lot of space so if you're going to tackle if you're trying to think of where do i start in a home we always start in the main bedroom Awesome. So you listeners, that's your challenge is to start in your room and make your way through the rest of the house. Yeah. Yes. I make my bed every day because seeing the biggest item in the room, a huge mess gives me anxiety. Yes. Every time I walk over there. So I make my bed every morning. And if I didn't get anything else done, at least I made my bed. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Small. I don't want to seem like I'm too messy. My husband's just very type A. I have smells <laughs> here and there, um, but I do make my bed in the morning because I need it to be like, you know, cozy when I get back at the end of the day. Yes, yes. Like, no barriers to entry to the bed. <laughs> like, not even about like how your home looks, right? Like for me, I always sit because people, there's a level of like shame and embarrassment for us not having these perfect spaces, and. I work through that emotion a lot with my clients and it's always a, Oh, you know, don't, don't judge me for this. Don't judge me for that. And I always say like, I don't care how your home looks. I care how you feel and how you function. So mm -hmm. little piles of clutter, who cares? But how do you feel about it? Do you yeah, feel exactly. like you're in control of your space? Do you, you know, like for me, I am a, little tornado through like I have ADHD I lose focus and I tear my spaces apart that's just how I am that's how I was designed and that's not going to change but I've implemented really good systems that when t the time comes to reset it's super easy so that's okay mm -hmm. I'm not beating myself up for being a messy person I'm embracing it and yeah. 
creating an environment that works for me, not against me. And that's a huge part of it. I love that. That was a great conversation. And I think everyone's going to take great takeaways. So we asked all of our guests this question. So what is your mother luck moment of the week? And a mother luck moment of the week is just something that happened that made you want to say mother luck. Mother luck. (laughs) So I'm in a new city. I'm having to find all of my my people for nails, for hair, all of that. And I needed a cut in color. And I went in and ended up spending $300 on a haircut. Oh, oh yeah. It was not color cut. 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 <gasps> no, man. <laughs> Pride on my Not including the, I walked out of there with a cut, a hair detox, and a whole new product line for $440. I cried in the car on the way back because the style wasn't even what I wanted. So then I'm like, well, I'm not going back for color. Like this is going to cost me $300 for color. And so I contacted my stylist back in Jacksonville and I said, I'm over it. Send me the color. I'm going to dye my own hair. And so spent $300, just dyed my hair the other night. I'm a redhead, so it looks like I murdered someone in the bathroom. <laughs> so I'm so over my hair right now. Wow. But, yeah. That's huge. For a oh, cut. Yeah. It Mine was about like, because I usually have long hair. So like the most I've ever paid for a cut is maybe $120 with tip. But $300, I would have been unwell. Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't know, like there was no warning sign. Like it, <laughs> yeah, I, I knew that I was going in paying much more than I expected because of the curly cut and curly cuts are more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I was not made aware that it was going to be as expensive as it was. And so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will pay for good service, but mm-hmm. misleading and you don't think that you're paying, you know, you don't know that you're be paying double so it was hard and i am like customer service i am overly nice to people so so i drafted a very lovely like letter to the manager (laughs) and you know um yeah but it was a mother luck yeah i felt that one yeah that hurt me a little But yeah, we really, really enjoyed this conversation. I, like Romy, am ready to close my computer and start in my closet. Um, And I hope you people who are listening as well feel the same way. But if you have any follow-up questions, just DM us um, and we can try to get the right answers for you. Make sure you visit um, Kayleen's Instagram and TikTok. I'll actually pass it over to you to give your quick download of where they can find your resources so people can have methods in place. Yeah. So all of my socials, um, at Kayleen Kelly organize. So TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook for my declutter kits. You can find that at Kayleen Kelly Um, yeah. So awesome. So, so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning into mother luck and all things momhood podcast. Remember, no matter how challenging it may seem, you're doing an amazing job as a parent. And whatever's working for you and your baby is what's right. If you have any questions or topics you'd like for us to discuss in future episodes, reach out to us on our social media channels listed in the show notes below. Until next time, keep rocking motherhood and cherishing every moment with your little ones. This is Romy and Alex signing off.